Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to We Are That Podcast. It's your favorite Nigerian Ugo. And I'm here with my two shorties, Carly and Chris. So we're back for another week. Sadly, this by the time you guys hear this, this is probably going to be one of the last few days of Black History Month. And I don't like that. I feel like Black History Month kind of flew by. And I just blame white people. I think we should really get into why the fuck would they give us the shortest month of the year to celebrate? Mm. That in and of its imagine them doing something not racist ended up being so racist. Systemic mm. oppression lives on. They <laughs> be like, here, bitch, damn. They hear so. bitch damn does a month. They hear bitch damn does a celebratory month. Get out of my sure fucking face. They like every four <laughs> years you can get an extra day. Be thankful. Y'all always asking for something. That's really fucked up. White people, man. Anyways, so um I guess as we're closing out on Black History Month, I thought it would be best to, you know, um keep the spirit of this unapologetically black energy going. Um and so I guess for this week, I wanted to cover, uh, uh, I guess, different kind of sector of the Black experience in America, unfortunately. So this week, we're going to be talking about respectability politics. No? Okay. Ready to read some bitches. Woo! So okay. Oh. Okay, Chris. This is a new, this topic is new to me, so I'm all ears I, and I'm going to have some questions. So let's get into it. All right. All right. So I guess I should start by defining what respect about respectability politics are so did a little googles earlier doing while doing research on it and um it's defined as a form of moralistic discourse used by some prominent figures leaders and academics who are members of various marginalized groups so um the term respectability politics was first coined by Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham. I just want to throw the name out there. And that was in 1993 in her book, The Righteous Discontent. So basically, in other words, respectab- respectability politics. I'm going to just start calling it RP because I don't got no time to be saying this long ass name. Yes, I hope please. And you know I have my, you know I have my lisp. So it's just fucking me up. Like. <laughs> Let's keep this as simple as possible, okay? Oh my gosh, Christ. <laughs> um, in other words, um, that are kind of like easier to digest, I would say like RP is basically a set of like unspoken rules that are um, used by marginalized groups of people to police their own members. Like, if you, how can I explain it? I'd be like, oh girl, don't do that because you know, we trying to look professional or some shit like that. Like when people say things like that, that kind of falls into the lines of respectability. Um, RP. I don't got no time for that shit. Um, it's basically used to gain, I guess, better perks and treatments um, from groups in power. I hope that makes sense, Carly, because you're looking very confused. I know. I w- Can you give me like one more example just so that it could be as well-rounded as possible before we get into the meat and potatoes? Um, let me see. Like, a older black woman encouraging her granddaughter not to wear her hair. Um, and it's okay. Got it. The perfect, perfect example. Let's talk. Ooh, okay. This is a great episode. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't know what it was. Thank you. This is go. Yes. Let's get into it. Yep. Okay. Okay. So now that we've passed that, so I guess I want to, what? No, because I'm thinking about that episode of The Office when he was like, now explain it how you would to a fifth grader. And I feel like <laughs> that's just the moment we had. Because Chris was sitting here complacent as hell. She knew the point from the jump. And I'm sitting here like, mm. respectability. But, okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> but thank you. I get it. Everybody, listeners, we're all on the same page. We can continue. I'm, I'm very glad we're all on the same page because part the way you were looking at me, I was like, well, shit, am I fucking it up? See, this like, is why I don't like this stuff because y'all can see my face and I don't like that. Y'all know when I'm confused. <laughs> All right. So the first thing that I want to ask you guys is like, when you hear the term respectability politics, like what, what exactly does it mean to you? It makes me feel as though I have to uh, tone down myself to be mindful of other people. After hearing your explanation, it's like, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Growing up, I've always kind of had a, a bodacious figure that wasn't my fault but there were times where I couldn't wear certain clothes because it would fit me in a way that it would fit differently on say a white girl with a smaller frame and my mom would shun me for wearing those things because it's not appropriate da, 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 da. why do I feel like I have to like I guess um silence or hinder or you know kind of make myself smaller in order to appease the public and be more appropriately seen by the public eye and I kind of on the same correct page or no? Sounds about sounds about right to me. Like so, I take it as like it's what people tell like people of marginalized groups. So like we're black, so let's say black people. Um, like what black people kind of tell themselves um, that in order for us to be treated better by people who are oppressing us or people who are our quote unquote superiors. Um, we have to we have to act a certain way in order for us to be treated better by them. So, like, for instance, if I use slang in my everyday discourse or whatever, um, or if my tone of voice is a certain way when I'm with my girls versus when I'm at work, like, I have to talk a certain way. I have to AKA look a code switching. Way. Code switching, exactly. In order for me to be more respectable or seen as able to be treated better to my white counterparts. If that makes sense, Carly. That's exactly what I would say too. Got it. Makes perfect sense. Okay. So where do we think that that where this whole policy of, you know, respectability politics, where does it come from? Where does it stem from? I would say that it stems from them. <clears throat> my, it stems from the natural way that we developed communicating amongst one another. Perhaps because they couldn't understand it. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps they were receiving our demeanor and behaviors in such a way they acknowledged it to be ghetto. They acknowledged it to be rude, and they took it upon themselves. They took it upon themselves to conform it in a way that they deemed socially appropriate. Yeah, I mean, it comes from people not wanting to fit into a certain stereotype that they themselves didn't necessarily create. So when you feel as though you're being negatively stereotyped, you don't want to fit into that mold. So then you you say, hmm, like, well, if I don't want to be this, what is the opposite of this thing? And normally the opposite of that thing doesn't come from what most people believe are those who don't look like them. So ghetto doesn't necessarily come from white people or so people think, you know? So if they don't want to be seen as ghetto, they try to other themselves, which sucks, but the whole quote unquote respectability of it is that being black is wrong, which fuck that, but the respectability of it all makes it so in that example right there, Chris, I think I I think I can identify a moment that I had when I was younger where I um Honestly, again, I did grow up in a predominantly white neighborhood and when I went to when when I went to private when I went to a private high school, I was one of I believe five or six other black girls graduating in my senior class. So, yeah, I wasn't that familiar with my blackness and, you know, I went about ways to kind of hide that or embrace other cultures because I didn't know how to embrace my own. So when you said that, that kind of resonated with me. Wow. 
When did that change? As I got older, as I got older in college, when I hit college, um, also, I also want to keep in mind that I understand my parents raised me in that particular environment because they were putting my education at the forefront and they wanted me to be around, you know, that type of um, environment. But it wasn't until college that I started becoming friends with more black people that and it also led to me asking more questions about my uh, family. I, I don't know. Growing up, my my mom wasn't really big on like family history and stuff like that because of her reasons. But my father was. It wasn't until I got older that I started asking questions and I got real familiar with my blackness. And I was so ashamed that for years, especially in high school, I couldn't have embraced it more. So, yeah. Make sure you remember you 100% nigga, bitch. You damn fucking skippy. And I've been doing <laughs> great making up for lost time. Hello. Stupid. Anyways, but I guess to get back to the question, sorry I got sidetracked, but um, I don't know. You could Sometimes the things that I say can be left field, so let me know if I'm bugging with this statement. But I just feel as though, like, when I think of... When I think of what respectability politics means to me, I kind of feel as though it stems a little bit from slavery, as with probably every other Black issue or issue that plagues the Black community. Um, I feel like it comes from slavery because in and of itself, if like an older woman is saying, oh, and make sure you um, straighten your hair or get your hair permed or whatever, blah, 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 um, that Phrases like that are under the white gaze. So it's kind of like, it it can even trace back to as far as like, you know, um, slaves trying to, I guess, play for lack of better terms, quote unquote, good nigger, like make sure you're on the good side and just to avoid things like, you know, getting raped, getting killed, getting sold, getting beaten. Um, so I kind of feel like that has just been, it's just been passed down. Like it's a way to say, okay, um, I'm very aware that I'm black and I am occupying what I may believe to be a white space. Um, so here's how I need to adjust so that I can, you know, fit in and look good to them. Do you guys get what I mean? No, that makes perfect sense. Like you were saying, a lot of things in the experience of black people stem from trauma that's been created via slavery so we wouldn't have an other ident like an other to um, compare ourselves to or differentiate us from if it wasn't for another group being introduced to us if you grow up in a society of all black people all you know is black then more than likely your framework of what's acceptable versus not acceptable will be based in terms of blackness but if it's black versus another group and you see that another group is deemed as more respected and acceptable in society versus your own group now you have something else to compare it to so when you say that it's like rooted in slavery it makes 100 percent sense because slavery unfortunately created a framework of how we identify with and how we explain a lot of the traumas that are like ingrained in us and it's not just traumas that others have inflicted on us it's now continued into negativity and trauma that we reflect upon ourselves and honestly i feel like people who are oppressing us and like the majority they love that shit so they're feeding off of it and whatever but don't don't think that slavery is like far fetched because now that shit makes total sense to me. What do you think, Tanya? Uh, can you just repeat the question one more time? I was just saying that I feel as though um, it's kind of it kind of ties back to slavery in the sense that you know it's under the frame of let me make sure I'm a good nigger so that the whites think better of me and I can avoid punishment, I can avoid being raped, da 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 da. Ooh, that is a quite a connection to make there, but I absolutely do see it. I mean, isn't what isn't that what prison is now to this day? It's just reinforce. It's what's the what's the correct term that they call it? Um, rev revolutionized slavery. Like 
that's basically still a thing. Essentially. Essentially it is. And then and then you want to get into um uh private prisons which I'm not that familiar with, but I can only imagine what happens in there. So, yeah, no, I think that connection that you made is very valid. So, I wanted to ask you guys, how do you feel as though you encounter respectability politics in like your everyday spaces? And it can honestly once you now like think about the definition, it can, um, I guess, come about in ways that you never even realized. Oh, God. I feel like respectability politics kind of runs rampant in who I am. Um, I'm not the most PC person in the world. So, like, as I was saying before, like, the way that I speak, um, I'm educated, don't get me wrong, but sometimes the way that I speak is, like, quote unquote, not acceptable to white acceptance. And while I personally don't care because I'm not here to cater to that, um, I've had instances where even like my mom, like sometimes she'll say, oh, like, don't use or don't um, don't engage in certain conversations that bring up such sort of language. Or um, if you feel as though you are going to have eyes staring at you when you engage in certain conversations, then don't do that because, you know, it's for the betterment of you in said, uh, said space, mostly like in work and stuff. So I just feel like as a black person, respectability politics just so happens to be something that we will always face. And it's very, very often, but I just feel like sometimes we don't acknowledge it because of how often that it happens if that if that makes sense I don't know because sometimes you kind of just like don't even like take into mind of it sometimes it could be more hidden than you figure but like those ones that really like hit at you the ones that you feel like are harder to mask are the ones that truly truly hit I'm gonna be honest with you I'm kind of struggling thinking of instances where I've encountered that and if that's the case I feel a bit I feel a bit shameful about that because wow like I was naive to it in the moment you know what I mean or I or oblivious to it in the moment when it happened I think for me how it shows up is like I, I always think back to like conversations with my parents and the things that they would say obviously they're saying these things out of love but for example like they didn't want any of us to get tattoos um we well this is before right now I don't know they changed their mind on this one um, they didn't want my brothers to have any dreadlocks. Um, they was encouraging like making why? Sure. What? What'd you say? Why didn't they? Um, why didn't they encourage them to have locks? Because they would say like it looks unprofessional. So oh, okay. Um, in that aspect, I, that's what makes me think like definitely um, respectability politics in in play here, um, and also like you know encouraging us. Um, you know, gent I'm gonna say gently forcing us to, you know, go to college, um, seek um a post grad degree, like all of those things. It's kinda like white kids don't have to be forced to do this stuff. It's but we um and obviously as I said earlier, it's out of love. So I know it's for the betterment of you, like Chris was saying earlier, but um, it's, it, it just sucks. Like, it, and it's unfair and it kind of is even that episode. Um, I know people don't like scandal, but I really yeah. did like scandal when, um, <laughs> yep. I was just about to bring it up. Go ahead. Yep. When the dad was telling Olivia, like, you have to work twice as hard and that shit sucks. Like sometimes it's just like, I don't want to fucking work twice as hard. Like, you know, that I mean? whole monologue was it almost was as if like every black parent or every black per like have said it to their kid. A yep. black child has heard it. That was a wonderful monologue, but you have, we were, we're taught to be twice as better, twice, at, twice as good at everything they do because we have to, like, that's where we have to start off. That's a lot of pressure to give to a kid who doesn't even know anything just yet. And honestly, quite frankly, we can have a whole episode on like the traumas we as, you know, black people growing up have just because of respectability politics. But I think I'm that might saying. be something to pursue because I think that is something that a lot of other black kids can relate to. I mean, 
<laughs> look at me right now relating to it. And I had no idea that respectability politics was even a thing. Truthfully, I had never heard that term before. And not even to mention, like, it also resonates in the media that we consume, not just the um, the conversation that Papa Pope had with Olivia, but even in, like, childhood cartoons and stuff. Whenever you see, like, the dark skin, uh, the dark skin friend versus their light skin friend or versus a white person or something, you can sort of tell how both of those characters are treated, how they're mm-hmm. portrayed in the in said show and everything. And, you know, in my mind immediately, I'm thinking something like the Proud family, right? So you have Penny, who's like this light skin girl, and then you have uh, Dijanae, who's this dark skin girl. And you see how um, even just like the respectability politics that was in the media room, show that if you cater more towards whiteness which is you know colorism is a whole whole other party but you can see the respectability politics that penny has and like her projection of you know being in student council or like on student government or whatever versus dejanae just being the ratchet friend like no like nobody really like quote unquote liked DJNA outside of the friends that she actually did have, but Penny was more universally accepted by everybody else. But um, you know, DJNA could never in the in the eyes of the people who are, uh, created the show, could never be a penny. Like it's just these media people also just show the closer that you are to whiteness, the more acceptable that you become and the more respected that you are. So it's even in cases where you don't even have to feel the respectability politics yourself, but we're subconsciously showed it through all of the shows that we've been watching as kids, the movies that we watch, and how that token dark skinned friend who never has the boyfriend is not as smart as her other friends, all this kind of shit. They're all just like perpetuated, and it's like, well, if you're not like this person, then you can't be the star. You can't be the person that's desired. So you have to work and you have to be like this person in order to gain that respectability. So it's crazy how it's just been ingrained since we were little. I'm not going to hold you, bro, Chris. Will you really just shut the table with that? All my years watching The Proud Family, I never really identified that. I never, ever identified that. Like... And this might even this might even be a bit of a reach, but if, if y'all ever saw Bring It On All or Nothing with with the one with Solange, Solange, light skin, blonde hair, cheer captain, top dog, beautiful. But then there was this other black girl who was a bit thicker, had locks. She was in all that. I forgot her actual actor name, but the way that she she was also a member on the cheer team, but like the way they portrayed her was like was like ghetto and like you know what I mean it's just it's very subliminal how they go about making these distinctions and um it's unfortunate that when we're young as we're kids we're we're oblivious to it and we're not made as aware to it until we're adults but um boy is it clear now because I'm like damn proud family really did us like that didn't they Mm-mm. and I do that wonder crazy. and I do it is I do wonder because like as kids, like little, and I mean like little, little kids, you know how like we kind of grow up as, oh, like we're all just kids. Like I'm not like a black kid and you're not a white kid, but we're just all kids. So like we all go through kids stuff. So like we can all just get along and everything. So I do wonder, Carly, if your experience in, you know, the whole, I don't understand, I didn't understand what respectability politics was until I was older and around more black people to truly understand is because maybe you just didn't have like the ability to see those true differences or like true. um since since you grew up around like mostly white people mm-hmm. I, maybe i wonder if like that frame of oh i'm a girl you're a girl we're just girls kind of thing and because you're because you're like uh centered around a certain type of girl and that's all you know it's kind of like what i was talking about before like if you are immersed in something and that's all you're visualized to that's what you're going to deem as acceptable because you have no other place of reference but if you have other places of reference to compare that to then 
maybe that's what I don't know. I would like I would like I also, to know if that's something. I also do want to make note that I do have two older siblings. One sibling was um my mom had him young, so he grew up around the city in New York in Brooklyn. So she was susceptible to that environment and saw what it did to him. And then um my other sister, she raised she was raised in public school all throughout. And you know, of course, public school has a larger uh, minority population than private schools do. So I think my mom logged in her experience from what happened with my brother to what happened with my sister and made whatever decision she came to and was like, you know what? I need to put her in this type of environment. So you you, you see where I'm getting at? So but yeah. I think that with, with a case like that, that would lead me to believe that respectability politics would be in play even more because she was submersed in a white world. So mm. I don't think that it would like kind of shy her away from it. I think as she's getting older and she does realize that she's a black woman living in a white space. Um, and as she just said, like even her siblings weren't even in like in the space like this. I think that that would heighten it. So that's why I'm a little shocked that it's like, you, you, you probably have experienced it, but you just didn't know a term for it. And that I can definitely resonate with. Like, it's okay. Okay. I think that makes more sense. But I, um, huh? I like that. I just want to say, I like how you worded it. You said, you know, being, you said being a black woman living in a white space, like that right there is a word. And it resonated with me really hard just now because I'm just like, I wish that never happened. <laughs> I wish but that never happened. Is, that's like, sadly, that's the reality of most black women. And um, it kind of, is the whole, I guess, reasoning for my next topic or the next point that I wanted to bring up is respectability politics in, um, I guess, in a professional space or in the workforce or workplace, whatever. Let's get um, into it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on Twitter the other day and then there was this, um, it was like a video clip of this older black woman. She was an HR professional just saying that, um, Black people, if you have a hood name or a ghetto name or whatever, um, it might be best that you don't use that name when you're applying for jobs. If you have a middle name, use your middle name, whatever she was saying, because they'll judge you. Or she said, we judge you and it's ghetto or something, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and she was like, use that name or use your middle name. And then once you get in that space, code switch like a motherfucker, et cetera, et cetera. Then she said, follow me for more tips. I was very confused by that part because I was like, mm, mm. I don't know if this is the best tip, but I get you. Um, so I kind of just wanted to pick you guys' brains about that. Real quick. I would love to pick that because there was an in two things I'm going to share. I remember there was an instance, I want to say maybe a couple months ago, say sometime around the summer. I mean, Wells Fargo is always in some shit if you pay attention to Wells Fargo, but I something frankly, honestly, okay, I think don't that we need to talk. <laughs> that might need to be another episode. Don't bank with Wells Fargo. There's always some shit happening there, period. But anyway, their uh their new chairman, CEO, whatever, had made a comment almost insinuating um that the reason why they don't hire as many I don't want to say black I believe he said black, but he said the reason why we don't hire as many uh, people of color is because almost as if they don't have the credentials, they don't meet the criteria in which then someone quote tweeted it with a story about how they applied with their resume, with their natural born given beautiful name, didn't get it, applied with the same application, changed the name to Stephanie and was hired. And stuff like that scares me because like especially as someone who's in the in in the job in who's in the job hunting process like sometimes i question if i should even identify as black or if i should click the part that says i chose i choose not to self identify y'all know my government name sometimes i question whether or not to go by that government name or if i should go by the name of carly like these are questions that i genuinely like ask myself because of fear of not being included as my you know, natural, American, natural born given self, you know what I mean? So this was, thank you for proposing this question. Now it's time for a read, isn't it? 
gather around. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Disclaimer here. Disclaimer. I can't sit here as a woman with common sense and think that there are portions of what she said that are not true. Like, I, I feel like that would just be irresponsible of me. I know that sometimes with these institutions that are ran mostly by white people, that if you have a certain name, it's going to be hard. Like, and I'm not, that's not to say that I'm saying that you don't deserve a job because of your name, because obviously I'm not saying that, but there is some truth in that these companies are looking at your name, unfortunately. It's been studied many times. There's been a bunch of like uh, cases on it, all this kind of shit. However, I ain't choose my name. You know what I'm saying? Like when I popped out the womb, I wasn't given my name. I was given a name, ran with my name for the past 20 some odd years, had to apply to colleges with that same name, had to introduce myself to people with that same name. I'm going to have to apply on everything that I apply to with that same name. But it's a name that I didn't choose. So like, how dare you? You know what I mean? And then on top of that, it's like, it's just so lazy. Like, it is so, so, so lazy. It's so lazy. And, like, the respectability politics of it all is, like, you tell me that I have to have a more, quote-unquote, uh, acceptable name because my name is too, quote-unquote, hood or my name is too, quote-unquote, foreign. But there are li- quite literally people who are white from these Slavic-type countries with last names that don't have vowels. And how am I supposed to pronounce? Y'all don't have no kind of problem Chris, pronouncing all Chris, of those chicks and vicks and six and Chris, vicks, but y'all have a problem pronouncing. Kristen, you are so wrong for that. How am I wrong? <laughs> That's the truth, though. No, but so it really things. is. She said that, so She things. said y'all be having last names with no vowels in it. But that's a fact. That's a fact, though. Like, people pick and choose when it's okay for your name to be your name. And it's Mm -hmm. not all right. Like, I shouldn't have to if my name was whatever my name was. I shouldn't have to abbreviate my name. I shouldn't have to disguise my name because your name is a part of your identity. You should be proud of your name because i know that if i'm going to if i'm going to an institution and i'm working towards a higher degree or if i'm at a job and i'm working for a higher promotion or a certification for a job you best believe that all of my names are going to be on my fucking certificate i'm not just going to stifle my name just to make you comfortable because you can't you quote unquote can't pronounce it because half the time y'all just don't try period the reason why i switched to carly was because i i remember being I was like in seventh or eighth grade or sixth grade and it was in middle school. And my middle school used to do this thing where every Friday we had chapel and every chapel, we would give out a citizenship award for each person in the grade, whoever was like an outstanding student, but the whole school would be there. And, and in front of the whole school, she, she mispronounced my government name, included a, a letter in there that had never been in there before. And I was so embarrassed and it all just also just got really, I also just got really annoyed with always having to correct people, always having to correct people being so lazy with pronouncing my name correctly. And to this day, like I look back and I feel like I should have been more firm and like, no, my name is my name. Like I even remember working this one job and I going by Carly and somebody had asked me like, they were like, why you go by this instead of that? And I told him the reason. And he was like, Girl, if you don't just simply go by your name, and as simple as that was, I was like, yo, you're right. Like, fuck trying to make shit easier for people. My name is my name. I was named after my father. I love him. And it's not that hard of a name to pronounce. Like, as you said, white people have thousands of other different variety of ways to put together all the letters in the alphabet, and they find a way to pronounce it correctly. (laughs) So I don't see what the problem is. This is coming from the two bitches that don't call me Uber. Stop. Don't even do that because we've been doing really good. Yeah, don't do that. I will not be discredited. I will not be discredited. I've been making an active effort. (laughs) I'm joking. 
I love um, so. to me this is a really like this is a really weird topic and I would say that because it's basically all I've lived by like um Carly you referenced you know going through the job hunting process um I was recently going through that and even with the position that I got now I didn't get it with my first name I had a whole separate resume um with a shortened last name and my middle name no so, way it, you shortened to it too bias. That I didn't know that. Bias. I think we need to make an so, episode about that because I, I had no <laughs> idea. No, no, for real. I had no idea that you felt the need to go as far as to even shorten your last name. I know people shorten in the first, but yeah. to do the whole thing, that's really. Yeah. So to me, I just feel like realistically, because it's great to have, you know, a beautiful um, I am black and here I am and ha 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 speech and all of that. Um, yes, my name is my name and I love my name. And I tried to get everybody to call me by my first name. Even when I did get the job, I soon as, as soon as I got the offer letter, I said, Oh, bet. Um, how do I change my, (laughs) but in that process, I had to look at the reality of what I wanted to do and like where, like how far up I was trying to get. So it was kind of like, okay, I know what the reality is. I'm not about to say, and I've been through applying with my actual name. I know what it is like, and I know what those rejections feel like. Um, but how do I, I guess, get to where I need to be? So that's what I had to do. That's essentially what I did. Um, and it just, it just, it sucks because it's like, I shouldn't have to do any of that. As you guys were saying, shouldn't have to shrink myself. I shouldn't have to, you know, try and, you know, put like in parentheses how to pronounce my name or anything like that. But in the reality of it is the whites are in, I guess, control. I guess I'm going to put a a quotation on that. (laughs) Brother man, brother man. Can I ask a question? (laughs) What, just out of curiosity, what would happen if I were to apply for a job with, you know, the name that I go by? Um, I mean, my last name already makes me sound white, but what would happen if I, (laughs) what would, what would happen if I apply for a job with the name that I, you know, I go by and I choose either, and just for, just for shits and giggles, I decided to identify myself as white and I got the interview, but I walked in as black. That's wrong. (laughs) No, because you can say my mama white. You just say my mama white and my daddy black. But okay, so white. So it would be. If you could just say that this TikTok told me that I should do this. What if I was forthright and said, to be honest, I was skeptical about the diversity inclusion of this company and felt that I had a better chance at being secured for an interview if I chose to be white. Like I no really though. I would say not to lie about your race. Right. So, okay, no, like, honestly, guys, after what happened, remember what happened last summer when all these big corporations got exposed? You can all and say, um, oh, true, right? That's true. Just be like, I'm, 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 I'm not white, I'm black. I love that you brought this up because this is actually something that's been on my mind, like, like it, it, it's sad that that's even something that I have to contemplate upon applying for a job. I want my work ethic to speak for itself. But then when it comes to the part of me identifying myself, I'm like, well, I don't want to identify myself in such a way to deter them from either diminishing my application or thinking less of my work ethic. So what do I do? Like, do you know the, the funny, I guess not, well, not funny. The sad thing is under that video, like, or even in the comments of that video, a lot of people were like, you know, coming at her, dragging her and all of this shit. And I'm like, I mean, well, from the jump, there's nothing that she's saying is new. So let's not even act surprised. But also it's like, um, because they're saying this is how like, you know, black people, um, perpetuate into blackness da, 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 all of that stuff and I'm like wow that may be true but okay there's a lot of people in these comments saying that you know I'm I'm a black um, HR professional and I make sure that I choose the resumes and I pull those resumes out for interviews and da, 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 da. and I put that in context of the interview process that I like just recently had for the past few months and these were like series long interviews <laughs> like I had 
I would have one with a recruiter and then one with someone from HR and then one with the hiring manager and then another hiring manager. And then it'll be a panel of like for as a final interview, like nine people. So it's like so many different people that you have to get through. And I think, okay, if you have that one person that's, um, you know, who I fight the system, ooh, 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 um, I'm going to pull her out. And then the rest of that team right there is white and they have that bias. What happens then? Because I feel like that's that is that was just a point that I just wanted to cover really quickly because I get both sides completely. I understand why one side may think that, you know, she's wrong and I understand why she may think she's right. Cool. But at the reality of it, at the core of that reality is those people who are like us, like, oh, um, I'm black. We shouldn't have to go through all of this. We're still in the minority. So what happens when that majority just continues? Like, what what do we do? Do we just, like, fucking give up? And, like, what happens? That's what I'm trying to ask. I mean, there's really not much that we can do, unfortunately. And that's why I gave my disclaimer in the beginning. Yeah. Like, like you said, nothing that she said was new. And part of what she said was true. Like, these companies do look at shit like your name. Um, We've seen these kind of studies done all the time. When you have the same resume, but different names, and one person gets the job over another. Like, it's just a thing that happens. Um, the respectability politics of it all is just something that we naturally have to go through because the majority is always at the top. Like, if these spaces were filled with people who were not of the majority and they might understand like the reality of my people don't fit that mold of white people or whoever the majority is then the whole respectability politics might not be in play as much as they are now but like Ugo was saying it's either I kind of get a job or I don't and as much as I love as much as what it came down to Period. Yeah, like, no, dead ass. Like, and like, as much as I love my name, as much as I love the meaning, as much as I've embraced it, if especially if you've only embraced it recently, like, as much as I embrace exactly. it, like, how how detrimental to? It's like you have to like kind of you have to weigh out your options. Like, how detrimental is it to my morale to change my name on an application for me to? grant myself the success and move to the space that I want to be in in my professional career or do I care about my name and my identity enough to where this opportunity and probably other opportunities like it won't be a possibility for me because of it so I just keep on getting rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter and sometimes people choose one option some people choose to get the job some people choose the self-respect way. And to me personally, I know the realities of being a Black person and having um, having known, currently knowing and you know, formerly being friends with people who have names that are seen as too ethnic or too ghetto to these um, HR offices and to these CEOs and everything. So... I can understand why either of those would come into play. And like, it's the fact that when women or when women give birth and parents are, to, are coming together, that choosing a name that's socially acceptable is a thought that actually crosses their mind. For some, it's before it even, for some, it's a thought before it even comes to what name do I love the most? It's like, what name might make them, what, what name can set them up for success? Like, that's a really, like, that's huge. That's really huge. And it's sad in a way, too. And but that's I'm, even with, mm -hmm. with my, oh, sorry. No, no, please. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> on Zoom, like, where you're like. I'm like, please, continue. <laughs> um, but even with my parents, uh, my parents have, I guess, white people names. Um, or I love not, your mom's name. We don't got to say it, obviously, but I love your oh, mom's name. We're not going to say it. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to say it, Jack. Tell her that she but. has my favorite name, one of my favorite 
uh, women names ever because apparently saying female is bad now. So one of my favorite yeah. names of a woman. <laughs> what an inflammatory statement. What? Apparently you can't apparently say. Apparently saying females is bad now. So. Female is a bad word, guys. You didn't know females is again. You can't say females no more. If you say females, it's offensive. Well, educate the audience as to why. Oh, I don't know why. I just, I, I guess maybe because it's the male part and we don't want to be associated, I guess, but yeah. Anyway, your mom has the best name ever. Continue. I don't even know what the fuck I was talking about, to be honest. You just threw me <laughs> off. <laughs> but anyways, um, I kind of, I guess to Chris's point, like that would be... <laughs> Do you guys want to know what's funny? Like when I was looking this up, um, uh, Evelyn Higginbotham, the woman who coined the phrase respectability politics that I mentioned earlier, um, <laughs> she actually coined that phrase in 1993 and it was to describe social and political changes in the black community between the years 1880 and 1920. So it's kind of funny that, you know, so far back, those were the problems and, you know, still in 2021, here we are dealing with it again. Um, it's actually not funny. It's really sad. And I yeah, because I was gonna say 1920 isn't that far away if you really want to think about it. I mean, 1880 is a little bit further. So it is. It is. But I just found out. But, I mean, I just found out something about segregation ended in like 1950, or there was still shit that was segregated in 1950. And I was like, whoa, that was just like yesterday. Like shit's really not as far far as as far away as you as you would think. So. Um, not, not at all. It is. Kristen, why are you making that face? No, because, because a lot of people do civil rights movement. Sis. That's no, I know. Like, um, no, I I know, but people tend like to paint it in a history it, People tend to paint it in a way as as if like it was so far ago, like it was so long ago. We're in 2021. Oh my god! But like, no, it was actually pretty a lot more recent than you would think. That's the point I was trying to make. But even in the sense of um, the term, you trying, you know, being described, uh, describing the time of like 1880 to 1920, it's just crazy to me that we haven't figured out a way to stray from this mentality. And, and I guess for lack of a better term, the slave mentality, I'm really not putting on an Umar hat today, guys. I'm just saying. You like, know you I'm want to. Saying. I'm not putting it on. I'm just saying. <laughs> but anyways, so. I kind of wanted to play a little game with you guys. Um, so we could just call a spade a spade. Respectability politics are anti-black. I said it. Everybody know it. We've been talking about it the whole episode. So based on that, I kind of wanted to play a little game called <laughs> The Name. I just love The Name. I wish I could like, I wish I was on like the game show network. And I was like, no? Okay. All right. Um, the name of the game, <laughs> the name of the game is, hmm, I don't know, feels anti-black to me. Oh I like God. that. <laughs> did you think of that yourself? I did, I did, I did. It was I cute. Like I like it. So, okay, sorry. So in this game, I just wanted to take a few minutes to kind of list out things that feel anti-black to you personally. It may not like, you know, be obvious to other black people and you know, to other people in general, but to other black people, like at first thought or fast, um, first glance, it's kind of like, oh shit, that is anti-black. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to like, it could, it could be anything big or small. Like we can, you know, ignore the obvious, like the government, you know, redlining, um, educational systems, um, lunch program. It's so much stuff. We can ignore the big shit, but, um, you know, I have on my list here. I think that the wigs that Tyler Perry puts on his actors are anti-black. Anti-black. Absolutely no fucking reason why Boris Kojo's fine, bald-headed ass needed to be put in that wig in Medea's family reunion. Just use his natural assets. Why? It was just straight out of Party City for me. Same thing with Shamar Moore. Now, we know damn well Shamar Moore looks no, great with that bald. Are you sure? Are you sure the cornrows was worse. worse than that put-on wig for Boris Kojo, who's naturally bald? 
All right. I rest my it case. Sounds like you've been wanting to talk about this. I really have been because why does he keep doing this? And then he swears he's, you know what? Let me stop. Tyler, if you ever want to sponsor us, it's We Are That Pod. Tyler Perry is not sponsoring us. <laughs> I just feel like he's he has already dragged him since season one. He is not sponsoring this podcast. Well, since he does he's it not- because he has no perception of hair. Since he's not sponsoring Wait, this podcast, he why he? No, he has hair. He has no perception of hair. Oh, he, it's a it, this is this is my example of what's that shit called? The Mandela effect. Niggas probably thought he. What is that? What? Wait! Oh my god, the Mandela me? effect is it scares me. Honestly, wait, I don't like. Wait, what is it? Like what that. is it? What it is it? Me, we, like, should, we need to do an episode on that dead yes, ass. Somebody do. Yes, that do. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm writing. Okay, yes. I'm writing it. I'm writing it down right now. But can somebody, I guess, briefly tell me what it is? Because I've never heard of nah, it. Before. I don't like thinking about creepy uh, shit like that. I mean, yeah, that's an episode I can't it, smoke on. To put it very, not. very simply, to put it very, very simply, the Mandela effect is basically like things that you thought were true, but they're actually not. It turns out they're actually not true. Like things that in your mind you a hundred percent dead ass thought that that was what it was, and then it turns out it wasn't even like that. Is there any connection to Nelson Mandela? Because why is it called the Mandela Effect? This is not the episode about the Mandela Effect, so I don't know. Okay, okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. All right, so okay, this bitch. Can somebody? Can we play my game, please? I came up. Okay, yes. Okay, bet. So that what are some things that um seem anti-black to you that most people wouldn't even most black people wouldn't even be like that is anti-black. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You ain't even get us prepared for this. Shit. Um let me think. I would say what's something that white people enjoy that I never was able to enjoy because I was black? <laughs> that's really that's really what I'm you know something that and i know this is probably this is it's not like it's like a racist kind of thing where like people are openly racist within it but when you said that that reminded me of the fact that i never got to enjoy flying kites as a kid and i used to see white people do it all the time so actually i'm gonna say that's anti-black i'm gonna just say that damn i can't even think i I like like this I feel like most most sports that are in the cold are anti-black. What are those? What? So- no. Um, soccer, bitch. Snowboarding. I didn't say soccer. I said snowboarding, skiing. Yes, those are all anti-black. Swimming. Swimming. Wow. Swimming is anti-black. No, because swimming you don't do in the cold. Swimming is definitely as as I remember. I, I remember back in high school that being a winter sport. No, in the cold, like you are in. Oh, oh, in oh, oh okay, weather. okay. My bad. Whatever. I was thinking of like, okay, but I can't think of any other. Let me think. Um, I think people who don't wear face masks are anti-black. Hell yeah. People who wear shorts in the winter. I was walking to the Rite Aid the other day. I I feel that one. And it was literally snowing. I kid you not. Now, whether the snow is sticking or not, I don't care. Snow was falling. It wasn't rain. It was snow falling. It melted to the ground. Why did I see a white guy in cargo shorts walking to the dollar store? Thank you. It's always cargo shorts. I'm like... And, and you want to know what I the thought that I had in my head when I saw that? I was like, "This is what that post on Twitter was talking about." <laughs> I don't even know what post you're talking about, but no, I know you're because, right. Because it was one of those, it was one of those posts where it's like we we all know that one person who will wear shorts in like snowy weather and so on and so forth. And I was just like, "He's the guy!" Like, wow. I think the American dream is anti-black. It wasn't made for us. Period. It wasn't written with. It wasn't written with us in any regard. So, nope. Return to sender. <laughs> what else can I think? Of? 
there's I feel like there's so much, but like why are they not coming to me? Because like I feel like most things. Oh, like Asian that. beauty supply store owners. I just something about that just feels anti-black, anti-black, all of that. Like I don't, I don't like it. And there, and and um, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be generous. What? Eight out of ten times, they don't even be nice to you. But you're profiting off of my products, products that my culture uses. So why are you being a bitch to me? And why are you automatically assuming that I'm stealing something? Mm-hmm. Anti-black as fuck. I am not. They some of them. Let me not say all. Some of them do. Some of them be okay. You know what? Race. The R word is a very heavy, intense word. Let's say this, right? A lot of them be mad fucking ignorant to the same group of people that's literally giving them their amazing profit. So make it make sense. It won't because it's anti-black. That don't make sense. And there you go. I think the term um, people of color, and I know that that was a very brave and, um, you know, statement of me to say. Is it a nicer way to say minority? I think it's anti-black. It's supposed don't to replace minority, mean. right? I don't know what it's supposed to. I don't know. I just don't even know when it when it came about. Let's minority see. feels wrong too. I don't know. Some about minority no. makes me no. I, I, I it sucks that like you know the word minority has a, a negative connotation, obvious, and it's always associated with you know black people, but white people can be a minority sometimes. Yeah, I was about to say it depends oh, on the scenario that you're in. Yeah. Like if you're at Howard University. Yeah, like or if the like, three of us adopt a white friend. Right. Ooh, but, um, which won't happen, but... <laughs> see, you I didn't say it. Poster? I didn't see... No. I didn't say that. I didn't say that whoever's listening. It was her. It was But me. it's not going to happen. Me. We're not going to have no white friends. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry, um, three of us are no. poster of, <laughs> of girlfriends. I think they had a white girl on there. Like yes, a they white, did. White girl. Was it Lynn's sister? Are you it talking about that? Him. Are you talking it about the episode Lynn's sister visited and no, she was no, no, mad ghetto? The, um, the the cover for the original girlfriends, I guess. Yes. Um, there were two cast members. I just don't remember who they were, but they were replacements to those people. But it was just funny. That reminded me of that. That was anti-black. Now that I think about it, why the fuck was that white girl on there? I feel like Ooh, photographers, I got, sorry, photographers who don't know how to photograph black women, but they turn into um, award-winning photographers when it comes to everybody else's anti-black. I got two. Tattoo artists that don't know how to tattoo black or darker skin, anti-black. White skin is not the only canvas that you're ever going to be faced with working with. Learn how to work with different inks. Learn how to work with different skin tones. Another thing, what what else was I gonna say? Um, I forgot it. Hairdressers who want you to come with your hair straightened. They're just untalented and they are not licensed. Yeah, that's it. Hairdressers not licensed. I mean, if I'm doing that, then I expect a percentage or some dollars to be taken off of the service that I'm looking to get done because I already I already got the ball rolling for you. I might as well just go on YouTube and finish the rest. The fuck? Somebody's are moving mad. I think <laughs> moving mad for real. Once they, they decided they could be their own business, then they started going crazy. What about what else do I have on my list here? Digital blackface. <sighs> make it make sense. I don't get it. Especially what what the one that annoys me the most. Actually, I don't know if this they annoy me equally. Like, you know, I want to know sense. the who like the black sense when people who are clearly not black all of a sudden sound like they're black and like, they're yeah, talking, talking like this and all of this stuff. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I want to know, like, for those that, you know, do engage in black fishing, what goes through your head as you're wiping everything off? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you literally see your entire being being shown, and it's just like you know what you put on is not you, and it's just like, what goes to your fucking head. 
that's embarrassing for real. It is. It it that's is. Crazy. Like I'm not gonna hold you when I do my makeup and I try not to go crazy. But when I take my makeup off, I'm like, damn, I'm still cute because I try not to go crazy. But they that's they literally lose their whole face. What goes through your head? Mental illness for real, honestly. <laughs> Mental illness. But anyways, that's my game of hmm, I don't know. Seems anti-black to me. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Can we play this game again? I actually yeah, can we, so let's play this game again and let's be more prepared for some stuff. Cause this is a great game. This actually might act this should be a segment, like aside from wind down, maybe this could Ooh, possibly be a I would love that. Even yeah? like Oh, that would be fun. Okay, yay. Okay, so let me write that down. I'm going to write it down. I like that. So that kind of wraps up my episode. I just wanted to, um, you know, talk. the thing that I love about this month and how we went about it is a, a good majority of our topics were um, related to the Black experience, as with all of our episodes, but specifically, you know, we were heavy on the Black Black. Black, black, nigga, black, black, nigga, nigga, niggity, nigga, nigga. So I love that for us. So I kind of just wanted to finish strong um, in this episode, and I hope that you ladies enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was a great episode, especially considering the fact that, as I mentioned before, you know, this wasn't a topic that I had ever really been introduced to as thoroughly as I was today. So thank you. Um, and now I know to be way more cognizant. If I ever find myself in a situation, I, I'm able to identify what it is now. Because before, I was in a couple of those instances and I had no idea. So thank you for proposing another great, another great episode, guys. She did this, she did this round one with toxic positivity, and you guys <laughs> love that episode. That episode got so much reach. Y'all really, we really got y'all with that one. And here Ugo is it back at it again. So I like it. Thanks. That makes me feel great. And warm and fuzzy. <laughs> All right. So this is now for my alcoholics. Take it away, Chris. Chris, let's get it. What you drinking, sis? First mm. of all, Cheers. that was anti-black. Why? Okay. I'm not true. the only one drinking here. Why did it have to fall on me? Didn't no, no, no. I'm saying cheers because we're both drinking. Like, here, babe, what are we drinking? Like, cheers. This is our part. That's not what I meant. I meant that's what I'm saying. I know what she meant. Oh my! Well, y'all Libras, so y'all read y'all be reading each other's minds. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't know that's what she meant. I said what I said. Anyway, I don't have a wine of the week this week. I'm drinking Jameson and ginger ale, and she's holding that shit. Let me hear you. Okay. <laughs> Listen, no, if there's any gone. fellas listening right now, just know if you're looking for Chris, Chris go hold her. She can hold her liquor. Make sure you can match. Kylie, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a nice, beautiful um glass of Cabernet. You remember earlier before we started recording, you had excitement that you were gonna cover the wine of the week. This is your time. Oh, <laughs> So for the wine of the week, guys, I've decided to indulge Wait, in one of my- did you not realize we were having a wine of the week segment right now? So for wine of the week, I decided to indulge in one of my beloved favorites. You know, it's funny because when I first got introduced to wine, it was because, it was because of Chris. But when I first picked up my bottle, what I got attracted to was Cabernet. So right now I'm drinking that. It is by- Look, it's by Barefoot. It's by Barefoot, but... I was excited to share a Barefoot wine. All right, that's the Okay, but the thing is, though, is that it has a sticker on it that says gold. 2017 Hilton Head Wine Competition winner. So before you guys want to, you know, start sliding your little shade or whatever, just know that this (laughs) wine... (laughs) Miss Ma'am. You got excited to share barefoot? For all of that, I could have just ran to the fucking kitchen and gotten another wine bottle. I guess I... Okay. Well, guys, you really have to love Carly because the way you were gassing it up, I was like, damn, I can't wait to see what the fuck wine she got for us. Like, yeah. You were excited for wine of the week because of a fucking sticker? No, she was yeah. telling me how she had just came back from the store. We were talking Are about y'all telling like, me that I'm not shit? Because that's really what I feel like y'all telling me right now. Are y'all telling no, me I'm not shit? 
No, you did your best and we loved it and appreciated it. Thank you. That's all I need. Y'all know my love language is words See, of affirmation. You know my love language is words of affirmation. You know, you know this man is Carly's soul twin flame or whatever. That's so literally my people. twin. So I learned I want to react like you, but I have to say, no, I appreciate what you did. You did I your love best. You. Thank you. Well, bitch, I'm single. Come better next time. <laughs> <laughs> this I am. Oh my! All right, y'all. Let's in wrap it up. In the fucking episode right now, I'm getting upset. And <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. fucking episode cut. <laughs> cut the camera, dead <laughs> ass. Cut the camera off. <laughs> For real though. Well, Chris, wrap it up. Uh, as always, everybody, thank you for tuning into another episode of We Are That Podcast. We appreciate all of you guys so, so much. Um, as always, follow us at We Are That Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us at We Are That Podcast at gmail.com. Y'all know where to listen to us because you're already listening. Refer us to a friend. Comment on our Apple podcast. Rate it. You know, be nice to us. Big us up because we know that our content is our content is worth it. Um. Yeah, y'all don't have. Any, do you have any closing remarks, everybody? Well, um, I do just want to say, chances are, if you love our podcast, about ten other people that you know would love it too. So please make sure that you're sharing this content. Like, if there's a moment that you know resonates with you, cop, drop it in the comment box and just say, you know what, Carly did that when she said this. Chris was, she know what the fuck she was talking about. Like, you know, so we're trying out here as three black women trying to make it in America, like shit. You know, give us give us some flowers a little bit. And also, um, you're going to hear this on Friday. I believe it's the 28th. That means um, there will be about two more days left of Black History Month. You need to make sure that you are upsetting these white people. If you uh- didn't do it <laughs> all week, I want you to go triple time tomorrow, okay? Like, we, we don't have much time left. Come on. And even in March, you know, I still say you got to, you know, upset white people. But I just feel like we have to do it a little bit more forcefully right now because, you know, our our days are dwindling. So, yeah, that's it. Bye. Um, I mean, anything I were to say at this point would just be redundant. So <laughs> they hit the nail on the head, period. Oh. Wait, I'm sorry. Retract, retract. Edit, edit, edit. (laughs) (laughs) This is such a great episode. Wow. And as always, thank you guys for listening. Please remember, as long as your wig does not look like a Tyler Perry creation, you are always on the right track of life. Mm -hmm. And that is the vat on that. Period.